time that the decisions come, it's not so simple, right? Uh, why? Why is decision making? Why can it be difficult? Because it leaves the future uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen. Right. There, we don't know what's going to happen as a result of our decision. Exactly. What else? We wonder if the decisions that we're making are actually from God. Are they God-driven? Are they, you know? Am I doing this according to God's will, or is it my will? Okay. Self-will can get in there. We're wondering. Okay. Good. What else? Well, it could be out of debt, I mean, but then all of a sudden we get a, we get a car that crashes and you know, dies on us. We think, oh, Lord, you know, we don't want to be back in debt. All right. Right, exactly. What, what will the consequences be of this decision? Okay, anything else? I think fear is a big deal. I mean, a lot of times it's uh, fear of failure, fear of um, perception of others, right? So... Um, my good friend in Baltimore wrote a, wrote a book uh, recently, spent years writing a book, but uh, he was talking about just listening to the inner voice, kind of like what Rick was talking about. And so I read a chapter this morning, and uh, just for example, he uh, he had the opportunity to, to speak in, in a prison and, and uh, you know, fearful, but he just jumped on it. And then he felt very strongly the title of his speech needed to be Jailbreak. And then he's like, as soon as he had that, he was really excited. I was like, God, it's the worst title ever to speak in a prison. <laughs> and, uh, but he listened to the inner voice, and he did, and just he shared the, the connection that happened with his inmates as a result of his speech. And he talked about, he talked about how, and then as, as soon as the uh, speech was over, like the prison went on lockdown from something external outside of that room, right? So here he is locked in with his inmates for two hours. Mm. And because of the topic, and he talked about how, and you guys are bound by physical walls, and most of us are bound by mental walls. Mm-hmm. And uh, that connection he made with the inmates, and as that uh, lockdown finished, uh, one of the inmates gets his man and said, we would know any better, we, know you, we think you were one of us. So just by listening to that inner voice and overcoming his fear from them, just sharing that story just to say that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we sometimes suppress our uh, <coughs> capacity and our potential because of fear. Absolutely. And not listening to the inner voice. Right, we're afraid to make a decision. So how do we go about making these major decisions in life? Why doesn't God just show us what to do? How do we make, how do you guys make these decisions? Because we're not going to learn if he just makes them for us. That's sure. why we tell our kids all the time, like, they, they ask us, and should I do this or should I, well, you tell me. If we just tell them all the time, we're just setting them, them up for failure Right. by not letting them learn. Right. I think we overthink things a lot of times too. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, uh, I mean, should I, I, I mean, this is down a stupid one, but should I tie my left shoe or my right shoe? <laughs> <laughs> What's God's will? Well, God's will is probably that you're wise and you just tie your shoes right. so you don't trip and right. fall, but as far as which one first, and sometimes I think we kind of just need to go on ahead and take take action. Sure. <laughs> exactly. So some of it is based on wisdom, absolutely. I just wear flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> wisdom speaking right there. What? What? 
Wisdom equals flip-flops. What? Did I miss? I spelled the word wrong? Oh. Oh, okay. That's kind of bothering me. OCD. 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 It's just like... Oh, thank you. For all those teachers out there. I'm a... Okay, well, what you're getting at, Mark, what you're getting at then is that if God just made every decision, we wouldn't grow in our trust and our faith and our relationship. Not at all. And we said, what is the big picture? What's the big picture, you know, as we're going through these delays? A relationship with God. Right. God's after our heart. He could just do, he could lay out everything right one after another. He could answer my prayers and, and we go on, but he wants my heart. And sometimes through decision making, he's after our heart. So he'll allow these decisions into our life that are difficult. They're not in his moral will. They're not in absolute just what's wisdom, what's common sense. Um, they're outside of that. And he lets them into our life for a purpose. They're a tool. If we can look at decisions, uh, over the years I used to hate decisions, and now I tell my wife I love these decisions because I don't know what God's going to do in my own heart and what he's going to reveal about himself to me. So I'm beginning to like decisions because they're forcing me to him and he's teaching me through them. They're a tool to increase our trust or my trust and deepen the relationship. I can look back, and we've talked about it many times, look back in my own life, all the decisions he's brought me to, and the benefits, yes, are in this life, but probably more so in what he's done in my own heart and mind through decision-making. All right, so let's go back to Abraham and see what decision he was faced with. So Genesis 13. <clears throat> Genesis 13. And before we do that, I'll open us up here in prayer before we get the word. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would keep our hearts and minds sensitive to your truth. Keep us hungry for you and your word. And Lord, help us to be responsive to what you teach us that it would change us to make us more like you, to deepen our walk with you, that you would be glorified, and that the joy of knowing you and living for you would be ours. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So, Genesis 13. Does anybody want to read the whole chapter? You want to break this up? It's not that long, but... A little background now, Genesis 13. So remember we talked about Abraham, the call of Abraham. God gives him this promise. And then there's a famine and he bails out. Remember he bails out and goes down to Pharaoh, gets in trouble. You know, we talked about the difficulties and how to respond. But he gets in trouble and now he's coming back. Okay, so he's coming back to, to where the promised land and that's where we're sort of um, at in chapter 13. So he's leaving Egypt, coming back, and we pick it up there. Does anybody like to read? Mark? Sure. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had in lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, 
to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Ethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they may dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of memory, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Very good. Thank you. So that's a lot there in, in this passage. But my first question to you is, what is the problem now Abraham's faced with? Too rich. <laughs> <laughs> He's too wealthy. And what, why is that a problem? Too much stuff. Too much stuff. And why is that a problem? Not enough room. Not enough room for all of his stuff. And who is he competing with? Or not competing with? Lot. And remember we said in the beginning that he was supposed to leave his family? And he took Lot with him. Interesting, you know. You know, maybe this is a consequence of that initial decision to bring Lot with them. But yeah, there's not enough room, right? There's not enough room in the land um, because they're prospering, and and um, but they but the land could not support them. Well, they stayed together, for their possessions were so great they will not they were not able to stay together. And then what results of that? They start fighting or quarreling, right? So we've got a problem here. There's not enough room. They're, they're, uh, they're quarreling with each other. So we have a decision to make, right? Um, why does God allow this decision? Why is this a decision? Hey, Abraham, it's your land. I gave you the promised land. Kick Lot out. Right? Would anybody felt him? God's given me the promise. Out you go, Lot. Why did God allow this decision? For him to... We don't know for certain, but... I'm guessing for him just to come up with it on his own. Come up with it on his own. Interesting. Probably another test of his heart. He's constantly testing Abraham's heart, so once again, it's just to show Abraham. Right. 
I think he's he's bringing him to a decision where he's going to have to decide how he's going to act. How is, is he going to trust the Lord or not? Is he going to take matters into his own hands? Um, did it take, I asked my wife this too, um, did it, do you think it took Abraham a lot of faith and trust to let Lot make the decision? So Abraham, the way Abraham made the decision, right, was to say, okay, I'm going to let Lot choose. Is that, do you think he's acting in obedience? Is he, we don't really know, but what we do know, what did Abraham do when he left? So he sort of got scorned down in Egypt. He's coming back. What's the, where did he go back to? So Abraham went up from the Egypt to the, to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. <coughs> had. Went, went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Um, from the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. Abraham gets scorned. We've all made our mistakes, our decisions. He goes back to what he knows is God's will. Right? And what does he do when he's there? There Abraham called on the Lord. It's an example for us. If we've made a mistake, we've gone the wrong way, go back to what you know the will of God is. Call upon the Lord. He's calling upon the Lord. The next thing we see is that, okay, he's faced with this decision. And he comes out of this decision. Yeah. I was just thinking that the reason for the decision was a bunch of quarreling. So many times, and if you're arguing with someone, the easy thing to do is just to say, all right, you choose, I'll do whatever the other is. Mm -hmm. So I see it more as a trying just to resolve the quarreling versus I'm doing this because God tells me to do it. Or mm -hmm. it's just more of the let's, let's resolve the issue, I'll be fine either way. Mm -hmm. Also, also it could be like partial obedience, or like, like he's feeling guilty, like he was supposed to be letting God do it. And so, mm -hmm. okay, well, I'll give you a lot. I wasn't supposed to bring him. You, you, you know, mm -hmm. I'll give him. I'll give you a lot. But then I got to get back to what, what I'm, you know, right. I got to be in control again. Right. right. So we don't really know. Um, you know, the Lord, the scriptures doesn't tell us, but we do know he went back to the will of God. He comes out. And then he lets God make this, or he lets Lot take the choice. And how does Lot make the decision? He kind of looked around and said, okay, what's the best, best property around here? You know, and uh, that's where I'm going. All right. I've got water for my sheep and, you know, grass for the horses <coughs> that I don't have. Right. <coughs> but uh, right. He, he, was, he was looking at the benefiting himself not necessarily wasn't right he wasn't really concerned about abraham right. so to speak Brother, he looks out so going to stay behind and go where he wants but i'm taking this in. right so this you could say was was there any fault to lot he used his intellect he looks around he says oh that's this nice oh, flat God, land well watered i'm going to make this decision i'm going to take that land after all lot or abraham gave me the choice so that's one way to make a decision yeah notice what he says though it says Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Interesting. Careful with any decision that's moving you closer to sin. Very careful. 
Okay, so Lot, I mean, no, nobody would probably fault Lot in our own human wisdom and reasoning. It makes sense, right? So decision-making can be a tool. It's, I don't know how I was trying to figure out how to word this, and we will, I'll get to the scripture that, that clearly defines it, but how can we know what we need what is best for us if we're not walking closely with the Lord who knows exactly what we need, who knows exactly what's best for us, who knows the future, who knows the consequences of these choices. So if Lot's not walking <clears throat> with the Lord, he, in essence, is living in ignorance. So he's just making decision from his human wisdom. Now, of course, we, that's part of decision-making, and this isn't a talk on how to, how to make decisions. It's a talk on how God is growing our trust and faith through decisions. But he's ignorant, or could be ignorant, of what God truly wants for his life. Okay, now Abraham's coming out. He's calling upon the Lord. He's back in the known will of God. And he's letting Lot make the decision, which is going to require, to me, some faith and trust. God's given me this land. Hey, I don't want to hurt we can go back, and so the way I tend to make decisions too, through James 3.17, where you look at, you know, what's, I'll just read it quickly for you. Again, not a talk on how to make decisions, but um, you could envision the way this is looking out, or the way it looks is, um, what is wisdom? But, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Okay, first of all, pure, then peace-loving. Seemed to me Abraham was trying to, he didn't want to send Lot away. He wants this to be done peace-loving. It's considerate. He was considering what Lot wanted. It's submissive. Abraham gave up his rights. I'm submitting. Full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. James 3.17. It's a good way to check your decisions. Um, but that looked to me the way Abraham was making that decision because it fits what is God-given wisdom, where Lot goes on human wisdom. All right. It's also, I mean, I see a parallel between what we've been discussing with David too, because David had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he said, "I'm going to leave this in God's hand. God has already appointed me king. I'm going to leave it in hand." Abraham was already was, promised the land. Was already promised the land, and he's like. Yeah, I could just take what I want, but I'm going to leave it in God's hand. Because he just took matters into his own hand, and it didn't work out right. well. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me like he's calling on what the Lord. From the context, I would say his heart's in the right place, right. making this choice. Exactly. I would agree. I think mm -hmm. Abraham's heart's in the right place, letting Lot make this decision. Why did he take Lot with him in the first place? It doesn't tell us, but it Why says you're it? supposed to leave your father and his household. Yeah, really don't. submitted to God and he thought that by taking him with him we could right. control that and keep him on the straight and narrow and it was finally time for him to let go right. and let Lot make his decisions and let right. God deal with it. Yeah, or we could go back and say it was partial obedience on Abraham's part. Maybe he was a little afraid and wanted somebody with him and when he says leave you're, you know, mm -hmm. what did he tell him? Um, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. 
that was the command, but yet he brought Lot with him. It was at his mother's household he took with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But regardless, like leadership that doesn't put God first, like God's the leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another thing we were talking about at Liberty uh, over the past week, that we're the co-pilot. Mm-hmm. We can't be the pilot. Uh, or that, excuse me, like the coach, and, and we're always the assistant coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we always listen and do what, well, a good assistant coach does what the head coach says to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, when we are, are leading um, and are under God and fully submitted, then the people under us are doing God's will. But look at what happened. So he pulled someone else into it, mm-hmm. thinking he was being maybe even what, with what you're saying, mm-hmm. maybe right thinking I'll be a good mentor for right. him or whatever. And look at that. He didn't. Right. But he wasn't being mentored by God. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't. Wasn't sitting wasn't following God. God. Right. Exactly. Um, no, it's very important. You, you're getting to something submitted and surrendered, which is going to be critical in this, and and how decision making is driving us to deepen our trust in our walk with God. All right. So Lot makes his decision based on intellect, maybe a little selfish as some of you guys were saying. Um, was it wrong the way he made the decision the way he did? Was it wrong? Can we make decisions that way as followers of Christ? Can I make the decision just looking out there saying, oh, that's going to make me the most money. That's the best job out there. I'm taking it. Is that okay? It's wisdom, right? Hey, I can make more money over there than here. You can make the decision, sure. Mm-hmm. But if it's not God's will, he's big enough to correct it. Mm-hmm. Use the decision you've made to correct you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And <laughs> exactly, he, he's big enough to allow us to make mistakes. Like Abraham goes and gives his wife over to Pharaoh, and you know, but he brought him back. I mean, I think if we're walking intimately with the Lord daily, mm-hmm. then yeah, a lot of our decisions will be made that way. You're walking intimately with the Lord, you're actually putting these decisions before Him. I think if you never run it by Him, then you're already starting off on the wrong path. Right. It has to be a between a relationship between you and God. And then, you know, you're not going to see it written in the sky, and he'll just say, you know, okay, use your wisdom. And I think if it's something that doesn't use human wisdom, then that's when you really feel the impact of the Holy Spirit on your life, saying, yeah, this goes against human wisdom, but this is what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think it, he does use mostly the wisdom we have from life. So if Lot's heart is committed to the Lord. Right. That's then a fair yes, decision. Then it's fair. Good. But okay. if he's not committed to Lord, then no, it's a scary right. decision. So you're getting at the point of this talk. Good. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, very good. So if we're just making it purely out of human wisdom and our hearts are not surrendered and wanting to do the Lord's will, we have to be careful. Okay? So the way he made it may not be the wrong decision, but we don't know where his heart was. We know the consequences of his decision, which suggest that his heart may not have been in the right spot, right? Because what happens next? He moves closer to sin, and then he gets taken away by the kings, and Abram has to go rescue him, puts his own life at hand. And then we know eventually what happens to Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot. So <clears throat> perhaps the, the outcome or the consequences of his decisions were seeing. Maybe it wasn't the right way for him to make it. What about the way Abraham did? What, is, what does God do after that? What does he say? 
the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him. So God comes to Abraham. He confirms the covenant. He confirms this relationship. When we make decisions in the will of God, trusting him, he's going to come and confirm it. I will always remember when I was, what was I, seventh grade, and on the football team, walking with the eighth graders, you know, they were the studs, going up to the varsity <laughs> game. I was the only seventh grader with, you know, the big guys with beards in eighth grade, you know, the tough guys. <laughs> and, <laughs> what's that? Those are some big eighth graders. I know, they were tough. <laughs> I was scared. Uh, and we were going up through the alley, and, you know, they stop halfway, open up their duffel bags, and pull out the alcohol before the before the varsity game, you know. And I'm like, hmm, what do I do? What do I do? And by the grace of God, and that was a life-altering decision at that age, I, I turned and walked away. Despite their jeers, I didn't go back to the game. But I'll never, ever forget that walking home, I remember exactly where I was, the overwhelming presence of God saying, you did the right thing. You know, and that confirmation when we trust the Lord and step out in faith, it builds this relationship. All right? So he's, he is building our relationship through these decisions that he puts us into. Yes, he could just say, Abraham, it's yours. Go take it. You know, I'll deal with a lot later. But he puts us into these decision-making situations. Um, it's strengthened. I mean, obviously... God gets God confirms with Abraham um, his covenant after that decision. So, moving on then into our life, um, how do these decisions bring us closer to God and increase our trust? So, when you're faced with a decision, you're faced with a decision. Yes, what do I do? I sell? Do I buy? Do I take a new job? Do we have another kid? We were faced with that. Do we have another kid? Um, you know, these are just decisions that aren't clearly in, written in Scripture. What do I do? Do I buy this car or that car? Do I, you know, go to that school or, or whatever, what other school? So what, is, what should a decision, how can we look, view decisions in such a way that they will increase our faith and trust? So what, number one, what do you think we should do? What did Abraham do? Went back, what's that? Seek. Seek. Exactly. Very good. Very good. These guys know seek. Right? Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Seek. So he went back, right? And it forces us, when we're faced with a decision, we all, and what you ladies were referring to, is that if we're seeking God on a daily basis, we're in the right position. Okay? We're in the right position to make decisions. And most decisions, honestly, God's not going to say, oh, buy that car, or oh, sell that, or do this. He's not going to give us the absolute answer, such as he didn't give Abraham what to do. He's not going to give us the absolute answer. But we can have absolute assurance and faith and confidence when our relationship is right with God, that whatever decision we make, it's going to be the best. All right? So there's some very weighty decisions, and I went through it with Ernie and his family, um, uh, Mike's dad, Ernie. You know, what do we do? Mm. He's on the ventilator. Catherine knows the story. You help take care of him. But, you know, there's the decisions, and Bonnie, his wife, is struggling. What do I do? But can she have absolute assurance that what she does is the right thing 
can we have that absolute assurance that the decision I'm making is the right thing? The answer is yes. Because we have a God who's bigger, Rene, than all of our decisions. Um, all right, so the first thing we need to do is if we're faced with a decision is get in this word and be in prayer. All right, hopefully you're already there. But God will jolt these decisions into our life to wake us up and say, you need to get back to me and focus on seeking him. We talked about how to seek him, seeking his mind and his will. All right, it's not about me. It's really about him in the end. All right, so again, the word in prayer, we listen to his voice. And that's another long topic. How do we hear the voice of God? Um, but most of the time in decisions, he's not going to give you the absolute do this. He's going to reveal himself to you as you seek him. That's what we want to know, right? We want to know God. That's why we're doing this in step with God. It's getting to know God. So he's going to reveal himself in this process. He's going to reveal just what you need to know about him at that point in time. It's going to ask us, he's going to ask us to trust him, his promises, his character. So he will reveal to you through scripture, through prayer, who he is. And I'm sovereign over every second of your life. That my love will never change for you, no matter how many mistakes you've made. I'm going to take care of you. He's going to reveal his character to you in the process of decision making. That's critical. Specific outcome may not be given. Second point. When we're going to make decisions, it should cause us to examine our own heart. Right? What if Lot would have stopped and said, hey, how should I make this decision? Is this all about me, selfishly? This is my lance that I want. I want my things to continue to prosper. Or, hey, what is my motive? It should cause us to examine our heart, our motive, our relationship with God. If we have a decision that is constantly on our mind, we can't shake it, it's there at every turn, we have to be careful because what is, if it's consuming us, it is becoming an idol. So he can use decisions to remove idols. Okay? He can use that. What do we talk about? And I always go back to it because it's been such an impact on my life is that, you know, he gave Abraham the promise, right? And, and he's coming to Abraham in chapter 15. He says, Abraham, don't be afraid. I'm your shield, I'm your protection. I am your very great reward. And then Abraham goes into sulking. Well, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And he just got done telling me, I'm the reward. Not the children, not the land, not the possessions. It's me. Once we get that in our mind, that he's our reward. He's what we're pursuing. He's what we're after. We'll see decisions in a different light. Decisions, hey, yeah, i got to examine myself. Am I really after Christ or am I after what he can give me? You know, there's a difference. So we're growing in our walk to say, you know what, I'm after Christ. Not what he can give me or do for me. That's a byproduct. He's what I'm truly seeking. Okay? Many times I've got up from decisions saying, I need to know, I need to know what to do. And he said, you just need me. Don't worry about the decision, I'll take care of that. You just need me. So he's going to remove anything in me, hindrances to this intimate relationship with him. That's the big picture, right? That's what we're here for, to grow closer to Jesus Christ, 
through all of these demands, difficulties, delays. That's what he's doing in Abraham's life. That's what he's doing in our life. All of these are coming into our life for these reasons. So he can show himself, so he can remove any hindrances to our relationship with him, which is the big picture. From his end, he's working and building into us, conforming us to Christ. Okay? We know that from Romans 8, 29. That he is predestined that we be conformed to his image. So he's doing that all the while in this process. All right, the third thing I'll say. So after our knowledge of him grows and our motives are purified, our hearts are cleansed. So this is what the decisions are driving us to, right? Who is God? What do you want me to do? Show me who you are. Get rid of anything in me that isn't right. Okay, our hearts cleanse. We make the decision in faith, and our trust can grow exponentially. So again, he may not reveal the specific thing, but if I'm positioned appropriately, I can have confidence to make the decision. So we had the house buying. Remember the house buying? When we first moved here, we had every all the plans set up, the lot picked out, we're going to build this house. The price came back, and we're like, no, this isn't God's will. <laughs> we can't do this. Um, because we had we had prayed about how much we thought we could spend, and um, so there we found another house. And was I had to move? I had to buy a house, so I was filling out the contract to buy this house. And the last little box at the end—I don't even know why I checked it. I thought oh, I'll just check this anyways. If there's radon in the house, you can get out of the contract. Um, we liked the house, but it wasn't really what we wanted. Um, so right before we were to buy the house. So we, we wanted to do the Lord's will. So whatever you want, Lord, we just want to do what you want. Um, so right before we were to buy the house, the realtor says, you know, the guy who was going to build your house, he's selling his house. And we had seen that house, and it was what we really wanted. It fit all of our characteristics, but it was too expensive. But in that process, he came down 75000 on the price of the house. And we said, oh, we'll look at it. <laughs> but we can't get out of our contract. Lo and behold, when they did the radon testing, it was positive in that house. So we were able to get out of the contract and buy the house we want. But, I mean, that's what you're saying, Renee. Even If our hearts are set right before God, we can step out. It may not be the absolute right, but he knows that we have to make a decision with the limited knowledge we have. He knows our hearts. So what Gina said, that we're in prayer. When we make that major decision, we're in prayer. God does that for us because we might want something in Boonesboro. Right. But he takes it away. Right. And he gives us some, some, something right. else that's even better. We don't know that. Right. right. So that's why the relationship is so critical. Right. And that's what God's driving at. Right. This relationship with him. Usually so when we do that, like when we are making a decision, <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Just like that, God brings you to what you, what your, what your heart wanted, but you were acting in obedience in such a way that only He can get the glory. Right. Amen. Like, Amen. He can't say that you went to that builder and said, "Hey, I want to buy your house," but right, you know, He did it. The price. Right. And no, that, God did all that <laughs> as you were going in another direction. Exactly. Picked you up and. And that builds my faith and trust in him that I can make a decision knowing my heavenly father who's sovereign over everything if my heart is right he's going to make it right those are the ones that get me the most excited because I know. it's like God gets all the glory amen there's no credit you can take for 
Amen. And our intimacy with him grows. So when I'm talking, you hear me say this all the time, that what we're about is growing into a deeper, intimate relationship with Jesus in this class. We're moving beyond the basics, getting into the deep things, you know. Um, so what is intimacy? When I think about that, when intimacy with God, so our decision-making first must flow out of an intimate relationship with Christ. Gina jumped to the punch a little early, but that's right. Our decision-making... <laughs> flows out of an intimate relationship with God. Well, what is an intimate relationship with God? I'll answer that question. We're running low on time here. This is what I see it as, and you guys can correct or add to it. When I am willing to unwrap my entire being before God, my entire being, I unwrap it, you have my heart, you have my soul, you have my spirit, you have my mind, you have my possessions, you have everything that I am, everything that I have, I hold absolutely nothing back from you. Nothing. I'm all yours. That's an intimate walk with Christ. When we're unwilling to unwrap everything, we're holding nothing in, saying, I'm yours. That's what Christ is after. That's where he wants our hearts. And when we're in that position, we can have so much confidence making decisions. We don't have to be afraid. Because we have the God who loves us and is in control of all of it. So, how can I back that up scripturally? And we're, we're, we're running out of time. But you guys can look at Romans 12. Romans 12. So remember, God's after our hearts, not something from us. He wants our hearts. Because then when he has our hearts, he has everything he needs to bless us and all of our decision-making. So Romans 12. And you... Pull it, Romans... One second, one second here. Romans 12. You have, you have Romans 12... Romans 12, I'm, going, I'm just going to, you can go Romans 12, 1 and 2. You can read 2 also. Anybody have that? Where's the connection of what I'm saying with decision making? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, he's telling us, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. We have, this is the first step in decision-making, to be in an intimate relationship. We sacrifice, we give up all that we are, all that we have, we offer ourselves daily as a living sacrifice. All right, daily. We'll get into this a little bit next time. We'll get into this scripture, but and it goes on to say, then you will be able to uh, able to test and approve what God's will is. In other words, when we are completely and totally surrendered to God, the ignorance is removed. I now see as God sees. I now think as God thinks. I'm not thinking humanly like Lot. Oh, that's great. I need that. No, you're thinking God will provide everything I need. I just want to do what you want to do. I want you to be glorified. 
our whole being changes and then we're, we're no longer ignorant. We can see and have the mind of God within us when we are sacrificed and surrendered. We're living daily, not for ourselves, but for him. We're willing to go and endure whatever the Lord has us walk through because we are living for him, not ourselves. That's the key, and that's how we grow in intimacy. And we'll talk a little bit more, but a question he posed to the rich young ruler, a decision, and it's a decision he gives all of us, follow me. All right, follow me. All right, I'll close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would use your truth to guide and govern our daily decisions, that those decisions would bring us closer to you, more like you, would glorify you. And God, that we would have that steadfast peace and confidence knowing that you're behind all of those decisions, working your ways for our joy, our peace, and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Wednesday night for those who can attend.